What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Round Tripper here on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. It is Monday, February 25th, 7.05 p.m. I'm Pat Zhang, alongside the now usual assortment of guests. We got Conrad Bayer, Ben Moy, and Matt Wood. Hello. What's up? How are we doing? How's everything going, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good so far. Busy week. Four more days. Busy week. week Spring break. Yeah. Two what? midterms on Wednesday. I just found out I have another one on Wednesday I didn't know about. You have another one on yeah, Wednesday? Two on Wednesday, one on Thursday, and I have a midterm paper due Friday. Mm, Thursday's going to be fun. Thursday's International Mac. I haven't I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I started looking at stuff today. Yeah, uh, I'll tonight. be at office hours tomorrow. going to be a blast. Yeah, I brought snacks after this moon of barley. And <laughs> good, good point. Before we get things started, we have a two-time Big East champion on the show. Yep. Do so you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um... So the the men's and women's track team went to Cleveland, Ohio over the weekend for Spire Academy. Mm. Who else plays the Spire Institute? Um, yeah, the academy's there. Lamelo uh, plays there. Uh, he actually had two games while we were we were over there, and you didn't go. Did not go because it was forty five minutes from our hotel. We were oh, not going to get an Uber there. So uh, why not? Worth it, not worth why it. not? First off, we're in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm. Didn't look at Ubers. I'm pretty sure it's expensive because nobody's there. Like, we're not, like, in Cleveland. Like, this is, like... I enjoyed my time in Cleveland over the summer. I was was in... To clarify, I was in Geneva, Ohio. There we go. Much better. Which is closer to the lake or something. I don't know. It's the middle of nowhere. It's, like, I'm from the Midwest. It's middle of nowhere. Like, it's bad. And you're from the Midwest saying that. Yeah, it's anyway, bad. so what, what happened with, with the track and field? So, yeah, uh, both the men's and women's team won. The women won by, like, 80-something points. They ran away with it like they do every As year. As they always do. Because the women, they're studs here. Uh, the men, we beat Marquette by a total of five points, which very, very close. Came down to the last four-by-four. Four and the and the high jump scores to end the meet. <coughs> um, it was just it was a great time. Everybody stepped up, did their job. Um, really great all-around team performance, and it, it's really fun. It's the men and women have swept now the indoor championships for the second year in a row, and four out of the last six years of the Big East, and um, it's always a lot of fun when you're when you're winning. Yeah, so so that's fantastic. Of course, had to had to start off that way. Into the normal shoutouts, we got Connor, we got Juliana listening, Shannon, Jordy, Rebecca, Joanna, Megan, the Birdman, Fiona, Stall on the mend, getting there, it's getting better, getting there, getting there. Uh, Nick DeMarco going to listen on the podcast. So no what's up, way. Nick? Yeah, he no loves way. he loves the show. I love that. He listens every week. I love it. So Nick, I'll see you in econ. Whoa! So I'll see him in econ tomorrow. He won't have listened yet, and then he'll listen and hear this. So that's pretty crazy. It's called time travel. <laughs> Blowing my mind right now. <laughs> yeah, well, our minds are on a beach right now. All right, uh, Marie, Joe, Johnny, my uncle Ken, the Bears, the Woods are listening. They are listening. Well, no. my dad's listening anyway. He, he said he's hello, he Mr. Wood, enough. and the Moys. We know the Moys are listening. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mo- Ben just gives me a, a nod. You can say hi to them. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Oh, my mom, <laughs> wants to come. my mom wants to come in and talk about the performance because they went to the Georgetown game. Oh. Are the Villanova Not pleased. Well, Not we, we will get to, to that in a Is second. Is she here? She, she wants to call in. She wants to oh, call in. Oh, I, I thought it. you said come in. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, where is she coming from? She, she, she called me right after the game on Wednesday and was like, I need to go on the show. <laughs> I need, I need to vent. I completely understand that. And we've got our intern, Alex, here learning. Yeah, for his last time. Hopefully we'll have his own show soon. We'll be able to plug that once he gets on. And then one last thing before we get into the monologue. Boys, we're on Spotify and iTunes now. Beautiful. 
Yeah, yeah. Now I've been telling everyone that we're on. We're, it's, it's already downloaded on your phone. You just yep. gotta click the podcast yeah. button and yep. search it. It, it. There's no excuse. You it, can't there's listen. no excuse. Just go into Apple Podcasts, search Round Tripper, hit the subscribe button. You can you download get us. it on Spotify now. You can download it on Spotify as well. You can seconds. follow it on Spotify. You can download it on. You can literally have it when you're offline on an airplane. You can still listen. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Think about that. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. absolutely Everybody no excuse. Everybody should be listening. None. Everybody. I'm going to listen to it on the train when I get on my way back. There you go. There you go. See? See? So absolutely no excuse. So yeah, really exciting news for us. So thrilled we finally got that. All right, let's move into it. Oh, my God. My dad just texted me. I didn't mention my mom and dad. So, hi, mom and dad. Thanks <laughs> oh, for listening. No. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> my, so, dad, my dad texts me. The woods are listening. The I'm woods sorry. are listening. I'm excited. This has been a nice disjointed start to the show. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Gotta love the last show before spring break. Okay. So, there comes a time when we all just need to take stock. Just take a step back. Breathe. And take a look in the mirror. With March just a couple of days away, feels like a pretty good time to evaluate where Villanova basketball is. <laughs> a week ago, we sat here and said the second half against St. John's was just an outlier, that everything would be okay heading into Wednesday, into this Wednesday's clash with, Mar- with the Marquette Golden Eagles. But it's not. The last two performances against Georgetown and Xavier have been nothing short of pitiful. But when I look in the mirror of Nova Hoops, I see a whole lot of what we expected. Let's be clear, as much as people don't want to hear it, the 10-0 start in the Big East, a school record, was the anomaly here, not the struggles. We knew that there, were gonna, there was going to be some hard times along the way with Villanova's youth movement, and well, here they are. We all know the situation. It's a young team with a heavy reliance on two senior stars and a lack of secondary scoring. What that leads to is that this is not the year that the Villanova Wildcats win a national title or probably even make a Final Four run. It's a transition year, and when you look at it through that lens rather than the championship lens, things begin to look a whole lot brighter. That doesn't mean there's no hope, and it certainly doesn't mean the season's over. The Cats did not win the Big East regular season last year, and things turned out just fine last time I checked. And Wojo's boys come into the Finn on Wednesday night, giving Jay Wright and company their shot at a signature win, and the Big East tournament is looming just two weeks away at the world's most famous arena where Nova seems to play its best. What's after that tournament, you may ask? Well, it's just pure madness, and we can pray that Tennessee is our one seed. Now let's move in to talking about Villanova basketball. I usually say an up and down week for Villanova feels like I've said the last couple weeks. It was just a down week. It was a down week. So Villanova 0-2, now a three-game losing streak. First three-game losing streak since 2013. An 85-73 loss at Georgetown. A 66-54 loss at Xavier yesterday afternoon. Now unranked. Just give me the reaction, guys. Defensively, I think this was, well... Defensively, against Xavier and against uh, Georgetown, I thought that was probably one of the worst defensive performances I've seen. Georgetown, I thought that they played well, but and then I looked at the, and then I watched the Xavier game on yesterday, and they did the same things where they were struggling to defend the three. They're struggling to get like you know rotate on defense, a switch on defense, and I thought that was the last thing I would see from that team. I thought that they would be coming out like ready to play. I mean, the offensive struggles are one thing, but I thought the defensive struggles were the most alarming thing because you, you usually see that on a consistent basis, uh, regardless of how they play. Yeah, absolutely fair. Just to build off that, Villanova during their ten game winning streaks to start to open up the Big East. That's kind of that's your first your first look at all the Big East teams. Everyone's kind of getting their scouting report. They're seeing what Villanova is going to be like this year, what they're good at, what they're not good at. 
So the second time you come around and play a lot of these teams, they have a scouting report. They they have a much better idea of what you what your identity is as a team, what you're going to be like throughout the season, and what this team's identity is is a defensive-minded team that, as Pat said, relies on two stars to kind of carry the load. And if that's the scouting report for the team, well, if I'm the other team, I say, all right, well, I'm keying in on the two stars and I'm making someone else beat beat me. So if you looked at down the stretch, Phil Booth obviously has been playing well lately. Shoot, shot, we shoot 33% um, mm-hmm. this past game, um, 14 points. I mean, if one of your top two guys is shooting 33%, putting up 14 points for the team, and when Villanova is surrounded by two guys and relies so much on their defense, it's that that it's tough to win. So in, in the age where analytics and all these data numbers are getting put into play more and more often, um, Villanova's I, th- I think we're we're seeing that now, and that everyone's on the second round. They have a better time to have more time to prepare and more time to game plan, and this is this is as a result. These teams are Division One teams. They're all good teams. Yeah, especially in the Big East. The Big East is incredibly competitive. On the Georgetown game, I look at it as the same old story, which is why I don't want to harp on it too much. It's just a lack of. Secondary scoring, the defense, especially as as Moy was talking about, was was very poor. Uh, Georgetown got a lot of open looks. Even yeah, even Xavier, Xavier's not a three. They average like I think six or seven like three pointers a game. There was so many times where I thought Xavier had wide open threes, and they didn't. Like there was a couple times I could distinctly come to mind where they were wide open and they didn't make them. They were lucky that that was, like, and that's why they were in the game for like the first half. And then by the end they pulled away. They just started making them. So like that's the that's the reality of it. I, I was just shocked. Like that, that would they have like two back to back poor defensive performances like that? Yeah, for Xavier, I don't even look at it as much defensively. I have to harp on the offense uh, against Xavier. So yeah. it's the worst scoring output of the season. Last two and a half games, now Villanova shot thirty four percent from the field, twenty five percent from behind the arc. They've just got absolutely nothing going on offense. And oh, look at that! You've got Marquette coming in on Wednesday, one of the best offensive teams in the entire country. Not a great combination right now for Nova. Sticking with the the Georgetown game, it was McClung who and Govan, the tandem that Villanova completely shut down at the Wells Fargo Center, both had 21 points against Villanova on Wednesday. Also on Georgetown, to, to Matt's point as well, they're getting better and they're mm-hmm. growing. They are, they are. It, they are going to be a tough outcome the Big East tournament in a yep. couple of weeks. I really like what Patrick Ewing is doing there. So looking at this three-game losing streak, the Xavier game is the one that hurts the most because yeah. that was just... A beyond beautiful. You, you, you can see them losing the Georgetown rivalry. At game. Georgetown, Georgetown's got Georgetown. talent. Mm-hmm. They can play St. John's, very capable team in yep. the Garden home game for St. John's. You can see that the Xavier game is what's what's shocking. I know it's on the Villanova's on the road playing at Xavier, but Xavier's a shell of themselves what they have, what they've mm-hmm. been in years past. They're they're not a tournament team. They're no. they're they're scraping by in the Big East as is, and Villanova is a pro is a. You know, it will be a tournament team. It was looking to be a top four seed, and after this Xavier game, I, it doesn't look like they're going to be a top four seed anymore after his three game losing streak. No, I, I don't think that they were. They will be at this point. And just something I want to touch on too for why I think Villanova is, is seeing these struggles is just the two players that I'm most <coughs> disappointed in is Joe Cremo and Jermaine Samuels. Cremo, just the transition has not worked at all no. here. As as Matt has said before on the show, we knew defensively it wasn't going to be great. Mm-hmm. But he was supposed to come in with a really efficient shot, a really good long-range shot, and he just can't hit. No. He cannot hit. He was held scoreless against Georgetown, two points against Xavier. And then there's Clips. We love yeah. Clips. Yeah. It's not shooting the ball. The man can't took, shoot. Took one he shot. No, shoot. he can shoot the ball. I would say he can't shoot the ball. I would say he refuses to Dude. shoot. 
he's, he's better than he gives himself credit for, but I don't know if he can call him a shooter. When, 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 when he, in the second half of the Marquette game, when he started just, like, taking them, like, you, you need some time to get into it. If you just pass up, if you have the mindset that you're just going to pass up the ball, like, you're not going to make your shots. No but matter. it's also, he has to be, it's, he, he takes his shots from the same spot every time. It's the top of the key. Top of the key. Yeah. Top of the key has to be wide open and he has to go right into it. If there's any hesitation at all, he misses. If there's anybody close to him, he misses. He needs to be wide open at the top of the key on the on a pick and roll. And he's still going to hesitate. And he still <laughs> hesitates. So, it, so many things have to go right for him to be hitting that three. That yes, he's better than he gives himself credit for and he should just go up with the confidence and that will help a lot. But I don't know if he could be a reliable three-point shooter. See, see I, I would like team. to agree with you, but when he's only taking like one or two shots a game, I can't tell that. Well, like, so here's here's the thing about about a lot of these D1 players and basketball as a whole. When you get to a certain level, it becomes a confidence thing more than a raw ability thing. Mm-hmm. We saw it in the NBA, the three-point contest, when a guy who no one's really ever heard of, and Joe Harris, went out and beat Steph Curry in the final round. Sure. Showed you the talent that he possessed, and it's really at the end. And yet we see Steph Curry putting up all these points, and Steph Curry's played with the most confidence of anyone you've ever seen in your, in your life. Joe Crema is, I to some extent, um, feeling that lack of confidence in his jump shot. If he's built as this, this great three-point shooter, I have no mm-hmm. doubt that he's a phenomenal three-point shooter. I could see him in practice lighting it up. Yep. Game in and get out, day in and day out, and I'm and that must be one reason that he plays so much to begin with because Jay does see that talent, and he's a veteran fifth year guy. Um, but at the same time, when you're lacking confidence, that really shows on the court when you're only getting two or three three point shots a game. You know that that a confidence boost can be can be the difference between making two two for three and going over three. You know, and in a game that's that a lot of these games are coming down to the wire and are really really close games. Six extra points that puts to that makes the end of the Villanova game sixty to sixty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Xavier Xavier still wins? But if you're telling me Villanova has six more points going down the stretch with three minutes left, a lot that you you play with a lot more confidence in your in your team and your in your teammates. Yeah, and it was just finding someone to break the run too from Xavier going on a 17-0 run in the second half, which pretty much broke the will of uh, of that point for them. And uh, Joanna chirping in that it's it's Cremo's face mask is what did it to him and destroyed his confidence at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's also going it from a, a, a like a mid-major D1 school to. Villanova. Watch how you talk well, about the Albany Great Danes. Well, no, that's the thing. Well, that, that, that's it's like going too. from like the G League or something and jumping. No, it's a big transition. It's a, it's a huge it's a transition. And he was the go-to guy at Albany as well. Yeah. When you when you go from being the go-to guy at a school where you can do anything, like no offense to Albany and those guys, like I, I know they're still playing competitive basketball, but no, going from yeah. being the number one guy there to... Uh, the sixth man or the seventh the, man on the national, champion, national champion. Defending champion. National yeah, champs. it's not the Big East. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big step up, no. and he, I just wasn't ready for it. It's very similar. I would say in the NBA, we see these guys. I think of like the Tyreek Evans or Michael Carter mm-hmm. Williams that came in, in their in their rookie season in the NBA, and they kind of lit it up. And Tyreek Evans winning rookie of the year in his year, and Michael Carter Williams playing very well for the 76ers his year. But you see that Mike, uh, Michael Carter Williams is played on the Sixers, who won ten games all year. And Tyreek Evans played on the Kings, who haven't been relevant in 10 years. So you have these two guys that are having their numbers in a way inflated, and they're playing with all this confidence because they're the go-to option on the sure. team, and they are the most talented ones on the team. When you take a guy like that, and Michael Carter-Williams, for example, and you put him on a team that can actually that has players, and he has mm-hmm. to take a lesser role, we've seen it. The guy's basically out, out of the league right now. Yeah. And three years ago, I would have been stunned if you had told me something. MCW was a star at Syracuse. Exactly. exactly. So it, when, when you see it, you sometimes we see these players that are at the smaller schools and when they have to accept a lesser role on a bigger stage playing better opponents, it's not necessarily always a skill thing. It's a big mental aspect to the game that gets overlooked, I think, at times. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. So looking ahead, as I said, Marquette on Wednesday in the big one at the Pavilion, and then Senior Day against Butler, which will not be an easy game at the uh, at the Wells Fargo Center uh, for the final home game of the year before having a week off and traveling to Newark for Seton Hall before getting things kicked off with the Big East Tournament. Okay. So we're getting down the stretch. Mm-hmm. We are getting down the stretch. So next time we are on the air, Villanova's regular season will have wrapped up. So we'll get to talk about all that and preview the Big East Tournament and see where we stand. Can, I, can I say this? Like, before they, before they finish off the season, they really got to figure out like the rotation, <laughs> not even the rotation. They can't be passing it out on the arc. They're just making. They're just what they took thirty six threes out of 50, sixty shots, like sixty percent of the shots with threes. That's their but, philosophy. But I understand it's, it's that. Not wor- I agree. It's not working right now. But but you need to have balance. Like that's what Xavier had. Like, Xavier had balance where they had they had an inside guy. They had. Someone out on the, on the way that could so you can't just have Pascal driving the lane. You and need what's, what's tough about that balance that you speak of is that this new modern day of basketball as a whole, and you can credit a lot of this to I would say Steph Curry in the NBA, and it has a trickle down effect on players coming up through the ranks in high school. Is that they see these guys that say take a Laurie Markin for example, in the who was taken what seventh or eighth overall by the Bulls yeah. two years ago. Seven. The guy's six ten and shoots threes and has no real post game at all, and he was a top ten pick. Yeah, yeah. but at least he can do something. Well, so what I'm saying is that the age of these big men that play back to the basket kind of guys that you can play four out one in, where yeah. you can throw it to him down low in the post and put four shooters around him. Those days are kind of behind us. We see Jaleel Okafor, who was picked number three overall in the draft, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and was teamless or was on a team and never played for three years. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like getting to the basket, like inside out basketball, like playing. You mean drive and dish? Drive, yeah. Like, you don't necessarily need to have a post guy. Villanova's never had a post guy. Omar is not. Driving kick's always been a big part of Villanova. It's Jalen Brunson ran it to perfection last year. So, what's tough is there's no one on the team that can really do that. And that's what I was going to say, is that this is just such a different team that that's why. And there's also a way of, yes, like in the years past, the team has looked more balanced. They've, they're doing the same things. Of Their balance doesn't come from we're going inside, we're posting the way up, we're starting with the drive. It's you. The, the lane opens up when you have four shooters out there. Nobody respects anybody on this team besides maybe Phil Booth and Pascal, which at this point, if I'm anybody else, I'm not respecting them. Phil Booth went two for nine and just kept throwing up threes. You yeah, just don't respect area. that. I, I think they're really tired. They're tired. They're tired. Exactly. Nobody, nobody's yeah. going to be able to drive. Nobody's going to really get the energy to go in, have the space, because they're going to be playing off all these shooters because nobody's shooting. And what's tough is that the one guy on the team out of everyone that I think has that ability to be able to get in the lane and, and create for others in terms of a physical basketball like skill set is Javon Quinterly. Mm-hmm. And what's so tough is that this guy has been shown so much potential with all these ball head and moves, all these moves that he can make that he's playing so poorly. That I think Bill Noble is relying on a certain level of that coming in the season, yeah. and they haven't been able to get that. And we're seeing some of that. They're having, they're, they've been having to adjust all season to a lack of someone that can really put the ball on the, on the floor and beat their guy one-on-one other than Booth and Pascal. And I think that goes back to the, the point of confidence because obviously <laughs> Quinterly has all the skills, but Absolutely. because Jay messed with his head for the first two months of the season. And I wouldn't even say messes with his head. I think maybe he was used to playing in New York. Yeah. He, he was the star. He, he was. was the talk of the that entire... Catholic? Absolutely. The, exactly. He was the talk of the whole city. This guy is a YouTube sensation. He Fair. comes to a team where he's yeah. got a... He's got to take an yeah. ego boot. He's got not an he, ego hit. Yeah. That, yeah. that might, that can play something. He, 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 he knew what he was getting into. Like, Jay told him, like, you're well, going to have to make so some changes. I don't necessarily know. You might have, you can be told that, but whether as an athlete you understand what that means to you. Two completely different com- things. Two completely different things. Jay could have been like, 
all right, if you're coming here, you're coming off the bench until I think you're a legitimate starting point guard. And he's like, no, 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 I'm I'm so good, I'm just going to walk in and, and I'm going to have that starting the role. Thing- I think, so that's why, as a freshman coming in a lot of times, it's it's strange because these everybody's telling you you're the best thing because they mm-hmm. want you at their school. Yep. It's a completely different thing once you step on campus and, and you've got, got those veterans on the team that, that they've been there and done it at the college level and you haven't. And what's different between Villanova and in Arizona, which is where his first option was before mm-hmm. the Arizona coach had his whole scandal with playing play yep. players, yep. Arizona's a team that relies heavily on their freshman recruits coming in and be these really great stud players mm-hmm. for one or two years and then leaving. <laughs> Villanova has made their identity as a program on players that they take in, they'll develop for two or three years, and then, as we saw last year, they'll ship them off when they're juniors <coughs> and seniors. Yep. Or, in, Amari, in Amari's case, was... Uh, one year player, but he was a top ten, top ten recruit kind of guy. Yep. And so for a guy like Javon Quinterly, who's one looking at Arizona and being told that he's going to be the vocal point of the offense, Villanova is going to tell him that he's good, that, that that they're going to put him in the best position to succeed. But what their um, idea of the best position to ex- to succeed compared to a team like Arizona is completely different. And that kind of, that differentiation between the two schools that can that plays a role in the, on a guy's ego. No, it, it absolutely does. And and on Quinterly, so we've seen an, an increase in minutes, at least last game he played 20 minutes. His biggest problem is that of his eight field goals, six of them were threes. Quinterly's not known as a shooter. He's no. a driver. He's a finisher. Yep. So he's really changed his game, which I think is one of the big problems with him that he hasn't been able to get in a groove. His defense has gotten progressively better throughout the season. Which, which is going to happen. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Because it w- the reason he didn't play early was because that defense was pathetic. Now it's gotten so much better, but he's just changed who he is as a player, and that's hurt him so badly. So if we see Quinterly start running some pick and roll, trying to get to the rim, I think you'll see a lot better. Yeah, we don't we don't need Quinterly to be taking all the threes because there are other guys on this team that can all shoot. That you put around them, they're Division One players. They can they, they can, can all shoot, shoot the ball. Yeah, they can. So they're, they're it, not but just if, him. But he if he unlocks so much of the offense, if he does kind of what Jalen Brunson did his tenure here of when he he would drive and kick or drive draw fouls. And all that, if you add that, that unlocks the offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that makes it easier for Phil Booth, who doesn't have to just dribble the ball until he throws and, up and a last second shot for, every time. For a guy like Gillespie, who who can get the ball out of his hands and he can get to a spot around the arc and wait for yeah. wait for a pass, step one, two into his jump shot, and he's open. That's, it's a exactly. big different than, than going dribble, dribble, drive, pick and roll up at the top of the key, and Gillespie has to take a contested fadeaway three. Mm-hmm. It's a completely yeah. different shot. No, I, I totally agree. So there it is, Nova, 0-2 week, three-game losing streak. Huge game coming up with Marquette. They'll be all right. At the They'll figure it out. But as I said in the monologue, if they find a way to beat Marquette on Wednesday, everything's fine. No. Yeah. Honestly, they'll, they'll as figure it out. They'll, they'll probably they'll judge a 7 8 seed right now. Didn't didn't Kentucky make a run like mm-hmm. as an 8 yeah. seed? Villanova was way too classy of a team and way too well run um, program to to fall off the cliff as what we think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's as simple as the, as the matchup that they get. If they get yeah. a favorable matchup in their bracket, then Villanova can absolutely make a run. If they get put in a brutal bracket, this is going to end very early. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's that simple. Yeah, it you is just, that simple. You also just got to lower the expectations. This isn't a championship team. I 100% agree. All right, so we got a pack show ahead. We've got Major League Baseball, possibly. NBA, I don't know. Not really. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, miscellaneous Nova Nation, an awesome Mount Rushmore of the most must-watch basketball players. This is Round Tripper on WXVU, and we'll be right back here on Round Tripper after some some nice, well, not nice Nova talk. No, very yeah, bad. Was, uh, yesterday was depressing. Yesterday was, it was honest. It was, a, it was honest. Open and honest. You now sometimes you gotta have an honest conversation. Yes. Why are you looking at me for that? Sometimes we have to have an honest conversation. 
I don't know what, what <laughs> you're just, referring I'm just to. Messing with you. I can think of like ten things, but we've already had those conversations. Yeah, you, you are good. So, going into Major League Baseball games started up over the weekend. Me and Saad watched the Mets win on Saturday, so that was awesome. Sunday, not so much. Their spring training game. That was spring training game. Who did they play? They played the Atlanta Braves. Good. Good for you guys. Of course they watched it. And, uh, and they won Pete Alonso with a home run. Uh, how's Tim Tebow looking? Uh, Tim, did Tebow get called up? Uh, Tebow's playing in spring training. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He had playing. that one uh, one almost hit like completely Yeah, it got robbed. So he hit one in the left center field gap, and it was Diving catch. great yeah, catch. He got robbed. He's oh. is, he, is he the kind of guy, say he say he's uh, at the MLB level, he can hit 260. I don't think he can hit that high. <laughs> Say he can. What if he does? What, what if, if he, he does? He yeah, for, for our purposes. Say, say he can be a guy that hits like, like 90. 260, <laughs> and if you play him a whole season, he's getting you like 22 home runs, but you can play him as a utility guy. Would you Would you think the Mets would do it if they were really in a losing season? You'd, they need 260 or 22 home runs would be a really good That's like a really good if player. If played Major League Baseball, he's hitting 160 with three home runs. That's oh, how really? Yeah. I'm just saying, what, what's your threshold for a guy like Tebow where his marketability and people coming to the games because they want to see him do something outweighs his actual baseball? If ability? you're completely out of it in September, you can do it just to try to attract some Just that is he, the, And he could go one for 40. Yep, that is and, the only time it is okay for the Mets to call him up. Otherwise, he's, he's a minor league guy for life. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that is what we have seen watching him now for a couple years in spring training. It's just, it's, it's not pretty. But... On to Machado. So we talked about it last week, and then the next day he signed. So Manny Machado is a San Diego Padre. Ten years and $300 million. Simple uh, question money. here. Did he make the right call? No. Why not? I think he should have gone to the White Sox. Why? I just think there's more prominence in the White Sox organization. With, I disagree. With Eloy coming up um, and, and what they got around him. Uh, the money... Um, I believe the Padres were more because I think a lot more because $50 million dollars more. Mm-hmm. That will do it because of people. some stipulations at the end of the contract of something Manny Machado didn't want to do. But I don't know. Like yes, the White Sox are a very not great organization, but neither are the Padres. I don't know. I just I always thought he was going to go to the White Sox because of um, with Eloy, Eloy coming up and some of their other pra- prospects of their their pitching guys. I thought I thought it kind of looked more. Desirable because I think they could make a run sooner rather than later with these guys coming up, and I haven't heard as much out of the out of the um, San Diego. He's always trying to. <clears throat> I've, I'm not, the impression I've gotten from him is that he's trying to uh, go to a market where he can be the guy. Absolutely. So, why if he's trying to be the guy, he's going to take the most money mm-hmm. in this situation, which is. You know, with the, like no one else that was contender was offering money like that much. So, like, it just kind of it's it's disappointing because this could have been a really great off season for the NLB, but because guys, so if he if he had gone, where would he have gone to make it a good off season for the MLB? Where no, like like you I don't know how like the signed, NBA, no matter where he signs, as of if he didn't if he signed after the time he actually did sign it, mm-hmm. I don't think you consider a good off season like, for like, the MLB. Like the this is the way like the NBA. July first comes around, like well, yeah. But there's rules in the NBA that are just the nature of the sport. In, in but the, but but this sport. season, like the Yankees are still they haven't really made any improvements on their team. Like the Yankees have been like, oh, we, we kind of want to sign Harper, we got to sign Machado. Had gone to the Yankees, 
regardless of money value, would you is that a better move for the MLB as a league? I think it's more exciting. No. Yes, it, it draws it draws more interest because if you if if a big time player is going to a big time market, how can you tell I, me that's I, yeah, I, I think would, it just I, drives more hit for the Yankees. I would say it would be a better move for the MLB because I Man, Man Machado, I'm never gonna tell a guy to take in ten years three hundred million is a bad move. Like that it, no, that but is, like is is feasibly that just, just you are insane if you think taking three hundred million dollars is not a good move for your career. I, I'm but just I'm just I, saying for the like pure interest of the league. Yeah, but in terms for I'm th- just thinking as from a league's perspective, take away from Manny Machado's expect, um, perspective. The league, the MLB right now is the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros, the Dodgers showing a lot of promise, and the Yankees. If they had signed a guy like Machado, are, they still are up there with them. You signed a guy like Machado, it's a lot. It's very interesting at the top of the league. I think the, it's very similar, similar model to what the NBA is like right now. The NBA's got a couple teams at the top that are really, really good, and what we have seen is that whether you, you like watching the Warriors, you like the fact that the Warriors win every year or not, ratings are up. People mm-hmm. enjoy watching the Warriors play basketball, and they enjoy watching how they play. People like watching super teams play together, even though if that hurts the small <coughs> teams. So in the sense of the MLB as a whole, I think they do. They didn't want to go to a place like the Yankees where they could make the better teams at the top just that much better, that much more exciting to watch to them watching Duke get out in the playoffs. So, so yeah, so I actually look, I take a, a very different look than the, than the first two on this. I think Machado absolutely made the right decision. If first off, looking at, as we talk about again, money and location, it's 10 years, $300 million to go play in San Diego. It's kind of tough to have a better situation than that. Also looking at it as well, San Diego Padres are building something. They have the best farm system in all of Major League Baseball with Chicago right there with them. They've got some pieces in place already. Eric Hosmer, who's grossly overpaid, but it's a very good player. Will Myers, Manuel Margot, who they got from the Red Sox a couple years ago. Austin Hedges, one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball. The Fernando Tatis Jr. is the number two prospect in all of baseball. He's going to come up and play shortstop with Machado at third. They're going to have one of the best left side of the infields in a long time. Machado's 26 years old. It's going to work out there. It's going to work. And what San Diego is betting on is it's a 10-year contract, and you've got him for his prime. And they had 78 wins last year without a real star. This is a good move for both sides of it. For Machado, I'd be thrilled. Again, he got his money. He got he gets to get out of the Baltimore Orioles, who will never win anything in the American League East, especially with this current state of things with the Red Sox and the Yankees so dominant. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Rays won 90 games last year. As well, you're not winning in that division. And you, and no one ever hears about the Tampa. No, Bay they Bay. won 90 games last yeah. year. I forgot about that. And honestly, he I goes, knew they were decent, but I forgot won they won 90 games. games. He goes out to the he goes out to the West Coast, with in a division where yeah, there's a lot of competitive teams. The Dodgers are going to be really good, especially if they get Bryce Harper, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. The Rockies hit like hell. Uh, you've got the Diamondbacks are always hit or miss. The Giants, you'd assume to be better. So it's going to be a competitive division. It's not the AL East. Machado gets to be the guy in California, in San Diego, getting paid $30 million a year. I love it. Absolutely love it. The only thing you're scared of is if you're the Padres is now that you've paid him all this money, does mm-hmm. he get lackadaisical knowing it's all guaranteed money? Sure. If he gets a hangnail, is he sitting out for a month? You know? That's <laughs> the, if I found that the Padres, the only thing that scares me giving this guy all this money is if now that, he's, now that he has all this, if something were to happen to him, is he going to take the super conservative route? Oh, we're trying to tough it out. That's the one thing that would scare me out of anything. And listen, that's fair because the man came out himself in the World Series and said, I'm not Johnny Hustle. I will not run down to first base. Exactly. Which is very questionable, by the way. Yeah. But he did say it. So it's very fair to have those reservations about him. But it's a risk you got to take. It's a. If I'm San Diego, I absolutely take this. Listen, if you want to win, you got to make the plunge at some point. So 
as I said, they grossly overpaid for Eric Hosmer last year to start this kind of rebuild type or start competing, I should say. Then they went in and got Machado, which I don't think I'd exa- I it wasn't three hundred million, obviously a crazy amount of money, but you're getting a twenty five year old player coming off uh, coming off of Jesus, the stats are also about thirty seven home runs and hundred and seven RBIs, a two ninety seven average, a three seventy on base percentage, an all star. He's one of the best third basemen, yeah. if not the best third baseman in the league. I mean, look too. If if you're in any in any league in any franchise, um, we've seen in the past. Spend. I look at the NFL as one great example of it. It's making big splash, making big splashes. Yeah, they might not work out. But you look at the Los Angeles Rams. You look at the, the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. Spend huge money in the offseason, bringing these super veteran players with a lot of question marks around. Yep. Them. And you see the Eagles win the Super Bowl, and the Rams be three points away from tying the game and could have won the Super Bowl in that game too. So yeah, they're not always going to work out. Sometimes you take guys that have big egos and are and are past their prime. You got to pay them all mm-hmm. this money, and they're not performing the same way that they should. But it's a risk you got to take in this in this new era that we have seen. It's a it's a proven concept that can work. No, I agree. And just for for Machado, one last point <coughs> in uh, in Petco Park. The gaps are huge there, so Machado is going to rack up the doubles. That did bring the fences in a little bit as well recently, so that'll help. It's not a hitter's park, but especially gap to gap, Machado is going to thrive there. And that side of the infield when it's going to be Machado and Tatis Jr. is going to be so much fun to watch in San Diego as a young tandem working together. All right, that's Machado. Then to the other one. The last one standing, I'll save the superstars because you still have Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel he, out there. Kimbrell said came out and said he, he wouldn't play until he gets contract. Yes, someone. now his agent said that's not true. Okay. But that did come out uh, on, I believe it was Saturday, and I think that would be a horrible decision. Uh, and he also loses his leverage, which is why the agent came out and said that because then they know what game he's playing. But, um, yeah, that was interesting to say the least, but it was probably a good move by his agent to come out and say, uh, no, we will sign a contract. So on Harper... A lot of things over the weekend pointing to that the Phillies are the team, that it's going to be the Phillies. But it hasn't happened yet. And now we've moved into today, and it came out this morning, that the Dodgers have moved back in on Bryce Harper. Now, if we want to flash back to November, the team, when we started first talking about it, I said Bryce Harper was going to be a Dodger. I thought it made the most sense. This offseason, they traded Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp. That opened up two outfield slots. I know that they wanted to be able to get Cody Bellinger in. Uh, and make more time for him, as well as shed some payroll. But it's a possibility now. So where do we stand? And also on Harper as well, the Nats owner has actually come out and said that they've moved on from Harper. So it looks like it's coming down to the Phillies, the Dodgers, and the Giants. What do we think is going to happen? It all depends what Bryce wants in terms of does he want a long-term deal with less money mm-hmm. than what he's comfortable with or does he want a short-term deal betting on himself where he takes more money up front but he doesn't have that long-term security and it's more I, it's more going to come down to which one he's more comfortable in doing and the fact that he hasn't signed this super super long-term deal for a ton of money yet tells me that he might be leaning towards a short-term deal where he gets more money up front in which case the Dodgers I know we heard about him this morning but it sounds like they're offering a short-term deal with yes. more money up front that could that might be where he ends up landing if, if it's taken this long for him to find a place where he wants to play where the money makes sense to him. I think he had such a poor season last year, batting only two forty with what it was, um, <clears throat> that it it might make sense for him to do this to hope to extend do what to get the short term deal with the Dodgers or with whoever wants to offer a short term deal. I mean, like if he's really confident he wants a five hundred million contract, he's got to prove it. 
He doesn't want five hundred million. Or whatever, whatever. He wants, he wants three hundred. I think he wants like three twenty. He wants, he yeah. wants like, which is like slightly more than Machado. Machado. He, wants, yeah. he wants three hundred one. But 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 uh, that being said, we're gonna sign. sign how how old is he? Is he twenty nine? Right, twenty six. Harper's twenty six. Oh, yeah, like Brody's one year prove it deal. See what happens. I yes, one year. He's not doing a one year contract. He's not going to do that. But like, but it there's a chance he does like a. Uh, like I've, a five I've, six year with an opt out in two or three. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. I've opt out on five what six it year. Or no. a four. A four he's year not taking deal. a one. He's taking a five six year with a two year player option. Why not do the same that, same length deal for him. same length as JD Martinez? Do you, if because that's what happened to Keenan and JD Martinez two four years but two year opt out. So yeah, but that's because Bryce Harper. You got to remember Bryce Harper's Bryce Harper. And Jay Martinez, Martinez can't is. shine Bryce Harper's shoes. Yeah, and Jay Martinez is fantastic, yeah. but except like to to refute kind of the the Harper having a poor season. Yes, the average is way down. It was two fifty. His on base percentage was three ninety three. That's almost four hundred. He hit thirty four home runs. He drove in a hundred RBIs. He had thirteen stolen bases. Start off. He's a former MVP. Bad. He's 26 years old. You pay this man whatever he wants, and he is the face of your franchise for the next 10 years. Yeah. I would say that for any team in Major League Baseball right now, you just pay him. And Pat, where are him. you leaning? If, if for Bryce Harper well, right now. If he, my name is Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. I'm going to the Dodgers. I'm going to the Dodgers. I'm becoming a star in L.A. I'm leading a team that can win a World Series. Listen, he just had his struggles with the Nationals. Never won a playoff series there. The Washington Nationals, just as a reminder for everyone, the Washington Nationals have never won a playoff series. Just throw that out there so everyone knows that because I love that stat so much. <laughs> if you if you go to the Dodgers, you're going to a team that perennially is in the playoffs and usually advances. They were just in the World Series. I I go to L.A. I go to L.A. I do. Philly is going to throw a ridiculous amount of money at him, and they have. The owner was quoted saying they're going to spend, quote, unquote, dumb money. Yes. Or stupid money. Stupid. Excuse me. That stupid is the money. money. So you've, you're dealing with that. But if you're asking me would I rather be a Dodger or a Philly, and then also the trust in the organization. And the Phillies have done a really nice job of rebuilding the team. I really like what Philadelphia has done. They're not the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. I go to L.A. And there's one thing you got to remember about these guys getting paid all this money. People like me and you will kind of think, all right, if I'm getting $250 million or $225 million, like who cares? I'm making a ton of money. The idea behind it and why these guys really, they wait, they wait to get the most money possible, it's like, if me and you are working working a nine to five job wherever wherever we want to be wherever we're doing doing whatever mm-hmm. and we're being paid like half or a quarter of what we're actually worth to an organization or worth to like to the company as itself, you want to be compensated for that. You want to be paid what you are worth to the to a franchise. Sure. And so we see in the NBA these guys are getting paid. They have to pay the like the like there's a max salary cap as much as they can get. LeBron James is worth he's getting paid like one thousandth of what he's actually yes. worth to the Lakers. Yeah. And in a, pl- in a place like the MLB where they don't have that salary cap where they can pay more money, he wants to be compensated in the way that he is getting paid for what he brings to the organization. So while $25 million to me and you sounds like, like who cares, you're getting a ton of money anyway, and while he might think that too, he also wants to be paid like he is what he's worth to the organization. And that's why these guys hold out for so much money. And that's why he's probably going to want more than Machado because mm-hmm. he was an MVP and he's a better player than Machado is. Yep. And he yeah. offers more to an organization than Machado can. So that's why he's going to be wanting these such these huge figures. Yeah, and also thinking about it kind of towards what Machado did too. Remember, he signed in San Diego, so he now gets to live in San Diego for 10 years. Unless your name is Jules or Joe, most people would select L.A. over Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think he leans up 
or he ends up in L.A. I do. But yeah. we'll see how this all breaks out. He's apparently supposed to make his decision by the end of the week. We've heard that for like the last 43 weeks in a row. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. But interesting to follow, of course. And then one last thing with baseball. Today, this morning, Aaron Hicks signed a seven-year, $70 million extension with the Yankees, which I'm not going to lie, that came out of nowhere for me. I, I was not expecting that. So on Hicks, he's a good player. Seven years and 70 is a little eye-popping, though, and it, especially for someone that's mostly viewed as fourth outfielder is not fair to him because he's a good player, but not a star player. It caught me off guard. Now, Hicks is a career 236 hitter. Again, just got $70 million. He is coming off an incredible season with the Yankees. He's got one of the best arms in all of Major League Baseball, almost a 370 on base percentage, which is huge, 27 home runs. It's such an interesting contract to look at because Aaron Hicks is a very good player. He's not a great player, and he got seven years, $70 million through his age, was it 37 season, I believe? So... A lot of money. It, sets, it sets the market for, um, I think, a big big player is uh, <clears throat> Jackie Bradley coming up for the Sox because if you look at not just not just Jackie Bradley, but there's also a lot of guys like like you know, he has almost the exact same average as Hicks, like like not only on base percentage, but like that's going to be really interesting coming up. Is is for, I think that's really what. Is going to be, is just these future players like how are they going to set the market? What's going to happen with contracts going forward? Because I think that Hicks is a yeah, like you say, a good, not great player. But what what does that mean for players like Bogarts, for players that like future Yankees, all that kind of stuff um, coming down the line? No, sure. And what I think it points mostly to is that players don't want to gamble with free agency after seeing what this market has turned into. No. I think yeah. it's that simple. I think it's no. that simple, and that's why Aaron. And, Hicks, and also too. He, He's a guy that you're not paying per year. You're paying him ten million. Ten million, a year. which yeah, ten million which, to the Yankees per year. I mean, is not, yeah, well, yeah, nothing. exactly. And you're getting a guy that's a reliable guy who's going to be there. You got him for seven years. You know, you're only going to have him for seven years, and you pay you you pay him now, but you have him forever. And loyalty means a lot, you know. Yeah. No. Uh, absolutely. So, all right. Any, anything else we want to touch on with baseball? No. All right. That'll wrap it up for baseball. I think we're going to head straight into miscellaneous because just a quiet week in the NBA with the the. Uh, all-star I'll start, break. Yeah. Yeah, so, NBA is just starting up. Exactly. It's just starting up, so not much to talk about there. So we'll head into miscellaneous and uh, and then a big around the Nova Nation because there's a huge weekend for Villanova Sports. This is Round Tripper. Thank you for listening, and we'll be right back. All right, back here on Round Tripper. Change it up a little bit with Magic. So that was fun. Yeah. That was fun. We'll be hearing that next week. That's on the playlist. What a great playlist. Uh, actually, um, about St. Pete Beach in Florida, uh, Birdman informed me it's thunderstorms Monday, Tuesday. High of 65 on Thursday, I want to say. Um, you're, you're asking Birdman for the weather? Well, you got me. He, he's just look, he's looking at his iPhone app. That's what I That's what I did. I saw stars Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want, you want updated details about the report? We can go on. All right. So the NHL trade deadline just passed today. <laughs> And Pat, take it over. I was going to say, would you like to comment on the NHL trade deadline? Well, Columbus got aggressive, and the Rangers continue to rebuild. Um, And with further details is your NHL correspondent, Patrick. Yes, I I thank you for reading my sheet. So that was (laughs) real... See, why does Conrad, Conrad always has to do this when I'm off topic? Conrad always Con- does it. It's Conrad, not Pat. Conrad, Conrad does a wonderful does. job at steering things back on track. I try to I try keep I, on track because we've gone over the last couple times, and I want to get 
Time for Mount Rushmore. Yes. Yes. All right, beautiful. I, I has a fair point. Yeah, so no, I, I appreciate that. Connor doing a wonderful job. Proud of him. He's come Thank a long you. way on the radio, and he's, he's turned long, himself long into long a very nice radio host. Very so, sub-average. That is not true. You have turned into a very keep average. The, no, I'm the the Extremely average. Extremely average. average. You are above average. Well, now, we so started really way nice. below average, so we've no, come a long So way. you can only improve. Yeah, I didn't know English when I started the show. There you go. I'm an English teacher. I'm really proud of that. So yeah, Columbus got really aggressive, which uh, for them, it, it was a big gamble because we talked about with the Blue Jackets going into this deadline, well, were they going to sell? And no, they did not sell. They bought. So bringing in Matt Duchesne from Ottawa, then going back to Ottawa and getting Zingle um, from the Senators, and then today going in for Adam McQuaid from the Rangers, they're going for it. They're going for it. Now, they know that the Metropolitan's wide open. The Islanders are in first place. The Islanders decided to stand pat today, which I have mixed feelings on, to say the least. I, I would have liked to see some more firepower on this team, but I also understand that what Lemarillo is trying to do and not trying to split anything up, the team is in first place as it is right now. But they could have used some forward depth. They could have used some forward death. It's as simple as that. So I would have liked to see a move. I understand they didn't go out and get a superstar because I'm not. the Islanders don't want to give up those top assets right now. They're still building. I totally get it. They're going to have a ridiculous amount of cap space to spend once July 1st comes around. But a little frustrating today that 3 o'clock passed and nothing uh, nothing came up there. So for the Rangers continuing their rebuild as these guys absolutely destroy my sheet right now. Uh, the Rangers continued their rebuild. They really sold off basically anything that they could have gotten stuff for. So Zuccarello... West traded to the Dallas Stars, and the, the Rangers got a second-round pick out of it. He then happened to uh, to break a bone in his arm uh, in his first game with the Stars. It's good. That that that's good. That's good. Love to see it. So that's tough. And Zook has been a really important member of the Rangers for a long time. Kevin Hayes shipped out to Winnipeg today. Really good move for Winnipeg. I'm a huge Kevin Hayes fan, and that's only going to help a team that I think is definitely a Stanley Cup contender. I, there's just absolute warfare going on in our Google document right now. Uh, and uh, the Bruins added uh, Benjamin. They added uh, Marcus Johansson. Well, I like Johansson. Johansson's a good player. So good player. Fun, fun trade deadline. And then the big move today was that uh, the Vegas Golden Knights added Mark Stone and then immediately signed him to a contract extension. Stone was who I wanted the Islanders to go off of. 26 years old, right winger. Uh, Would have been really nice to head to line one. But nope, we got Andrew Ladd coming back from injury. So hopefully that works. Thank you for all the hockey insight, guys. That was that was fun. Really all right, busy. on on to golf. <laughs> Dustin Johnson cruised to DJ. Yeah, DJ cruised to a WGC Mexico title at 21 under. McElroy coming in in second place at 16 under. I mean, Tiger hit like shot of the tournament out of the bunkers. So that was cool. You know what? Anything? You still want a major or what? Cool. Can you win a major, please? Come on. Please. Thank you, Matt. They're thank you. Can you please win a major? Yeah, a major. major hasn't happened yet this year. Well, <laughs> Augustus right around the corner. We've been getting a lot of commercials since January. We have been getting those commercials, which I love those commercials. We can't win it yet because it hasn't started. Exactly. So yeah, give him some time. Give him, give him some time. Give him some time. But he's playing well. He's, he's playing. Well. He's, he's playing. So yeah, it's just good to see him firing. But DJ just put on an absolute clinic this week, so that was fun to watch. <laughs> he drove the uh, the green 369 yard par four. <laughs> He put it 367 put it on the screen. <laughs> within two. Within two. <laughs> to be fair, they're playing at ele- elevation. They're playing at 10,000 feet elevation. It adds, it adds two club lengths. Cool. It, adds, it adds 20 yards. Which is, I mean, 360 drive is impressive. How long are but your clubs? What? 
How long are two club it's length? It's like like you're hitting a nine iron. That's really like you're, you're hitting, like it's adding twenty yeah, yards of distance. I oh assume. God! You said how long are your clubs? You mean physically long, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> Man City took home the, <laughs> the Cabarro Cup. Oh, I know about this one. Yeah. So Conrad's <laughs> excited about this. So the one thing that so Man City won against Chelsea in penalties to take home the first piece of silverware of the season in the irrelevant League Cup that no one cares about. But a City did win it. So they won in penalties, like I said. And there's one fun thing that happened in this game. And that is that, so the Chelsea manager, Mauricio Sarri, attempted to bring on Willy Caballero, their backup goalkeeper, at the end of extra time because he is known as a uh, penalty shot stopper specialist. For Man City. He, be, he beat Liverpool, actually, in that same cup final a couple years ago. With on, Man City. On, with Man City as a, in penalties. And uh, the keeper for Chelsea, Kepa, uh, I always struggle with that long Spanish name, uh, Ar- Ariz Belanga, the most expensive goalkeeper in the world, refused to be substituted. And he would knock him off the field. So, Conrad, I know you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, so he he just picked his hand up and was like, no, 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 I'm not coming off. And then the coach just kind of, he tried to do it. The refs talked to him. And then he just, he tried to leave. He came back. And then nobody talked to the keeper to be like, dude, just actually leave the game. It's better for everybody. And then in penalties... Uh, there was a shot that went right under his arm that he should have saved. Yeah, Aguero shot that And uh, which basically lost them the cup. I mean, it is a real irrelevant cup, but like, I mean, dude, just go off the field. Like you've been struggling, you're getting paid a lot of money. Just leave. Um, do what your coach asked. Uh, he was then fined. We found out right before the show he's fined a work, week's worth of salary. Yes. Um, somehow the coach is still there. If I was the coach, I would have. I would have left. I don't know if I would deal with that. And now I understand how Pat feels when we are all just doing random stuff. Yeah, right? It's very distracting when, when people just start attacking our Google Doc. All right. Uh, we don't have Bird. What's the word? Is that correct, Matthew? Yeah, he has not a very busy week. He is, It's all homework. It's all midterm stuff. Nothing too exciting. So well, he has a busy week, but nothing too exciting. So that's Bird. What's the word? Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. So Samuel let us down this week. And then other news. I don't think you mentioned it. Um, Liverpool is alone on top of the um, English Premier League table. I know that's really big news for you. I just wanted to make sure that was definitely brought up so that you could. Yeah, you know. LFC is in first right now after a 0-0 draw with Manchester United. I'll be the first to admit it was not the most entertaining. It was There, there are two types of 0-0 draws, the bad ones and the good ones. Very simple. That was a bad 0-0 draw. There was not a lot yeah. of action going on. It was tough. But, uh, but Liverpool uh, did pass Man City with that draw and go to the top. All right, it's Mount Rushmore season. It's 8.01. We've actually got some time, so that is nice. It is the Mount Rushmore of most must-watch basketball players from the 2000s, both college and pro from any period of time. Matthew, start you things off. First pick? I'm gonna, we're going to move this way, yeah. Okay. Well, first pick, I feel like it's a little obvious. doesn't need any introduction. I'm, I'll go with LeBron. Yeah, there he goes. LeBron James, yep. number, one, number one overall. There's really, he's been the best player Can you please back that up? For the past 10 years, he's been the best player in the world. There's there's no argument. He's, he's box office as box office can get. Amen. Benjamin. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Kobe. Wow. Kobe with Ooh. the second pick. Because. Love that pick. In Kobe's prime back in the day. To eight, be number fair. eight Kobe. Can I, number oh, eight Kobe. Eight Kobe. Number eight Kobe. Number I eight, like number eight Kobe. Before, to be fair, back in the day, you could double team him and it wouldn't matter. It was, yeah. you, number you, eight Kobe was insane. Watch him. It's stable center, too. Also, and to, just. So the game, his last game of his career was just 
if that that fact just said it was a much must watch at least in my opinion. Oh, it, it, it was, was the most much watch yeah. of like single game. season. You, you yeah, knew, you knew that, that's the championship. Kobe's last game was one of the most watched games. It, 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 if this criteria is, I'm gonna like go to any game and get, be entertained. Like it could be regular season on a rake on a random night. Doesn't matter who they're playing. Random Wednesday in February. Like sure. Kobe dropped 81 on the Raptors, and the Raptors were not good at that year. Mm-hmm. People forget that. People mm-hmm. forget. No, I'm not a fan of Kobe's pick. game all the I time. But no, like Kobe, Kobe's a fair pick. Kobe. Kobe's absolutely a fair pick. All right, I'm going to go with this one's got a little bit of like current bias, but I think everybody's kind of noticed it with Zion. And the attention that Duke has got, even though they are a Duke team, and the amount of people that still just tune in just for Zion. Um, that UNC game last Wednesday, we didn't talk about it, where he went through his shoe. The tickets for that, the cheapest ticket was like three grand. Yes, it is hey, a UNC the, Duke. The president was there. That's why you got to pay. Yeah, Barack was there. Yeah. Barackie. Like there are a lot of other reasons. It is already <laughs> one of the. It's the best uh, college basketball rivalry, probably. Yeah. Um. So that factors into it, but a lot of guys, it's all Zion, ESPN Zion, all the time. You have to watch Zion. I know Pat and I talk about it a lot. We hate Duke. We don't <laughs> want to watch Duke. But love Zion this year because Zion's there. We love watching it. We can't, if Zion's on. You, you turn the TV on and you're watching no matter what you're doing. Yep. So Zion's definitely up very there. Very true. Very true. No, I, I, I think that's very fair. All right, so I get two picks here then. First, my mom sent in Charles Barkley, unfortunately. He did not play in the 2000s. But, and she said because he has the best commercials, which is true. Because those March Madness commercials about those to come back with, with Chuck Samuel and, and Spike. <laughs> going to be fun. By the way, the Knicks won the Oscars last night. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson bringing up that they won at home for the first time. Since oh, the first. Yeah, yeah, beautiful! After yeah. trying to, after successfully scoring on themselves, they did successfully score on themselves yesterday. But that's not important. Well, not they should have scored on themselves. In basketball, more. for those who don't know, the Knicks went for a rebound and tipped <laughs> into their own hoop. Uh, that's not supposed to happen. It is not supposed to happen. It, exactly. So, all right, my number one. I'm actually surprised he's still on the board. Steph Curry, the man revolutionized how people yeah. play basketball yeah. with that three point shot. Just even thinking of Curry, this is, I'll go Warriors Curry, but even Davidson Curry yeah. was incredible to watch. I remember watching the, the NCAA tournaments, but he's got he's Chef Curry. He's got Curry range. He's got the ability. You don't know what he's going to do. He, it, could, he, could, he could pull from the logo and it's going in. Exactly. You know? So Steph Curry, my number one most must watch. And then my number two, I'm actually going to go with a kind of a fun pick. Jimmer Fredette. No! Oh. I was going to pick that! No! <laughs> Jimmer from BYU, 2010-2011. Oh, the year he won the Wooden Award, the man averaged 29 points. He had Jimmer range. He scored 20-plus points oh. 33 times, 30-plus oh, points I should have taken him with the second pick. 40-plus points four times and 50-plus points once. That year was one of the most fun years. Before Curry, it was Jimmer. It was Jeff. <laughs> like that, people forget that. So, and just still Jimmer. It's a bucket in China Jimmer right at BYU, way too easy. Conrad, you're up. All right, I'm going to go with... Uh, uh, kind of a lesser one right now. Strange second pick, but I'm going to go with Jeremy Lin during Lin's sanity. No, uh, I thought about terrible. He was on my board, too. I thought about because that. Because of the, the seven-game stretch where he led the Knicks out of nowhere, coming from Harvard. He was a big story storyline, and there's a fun fact of there's eight days in a row that he was on the cover, front or back, of the New York Post, and during that stretch, he was averaging 26 points per game, and he was leading the Knicks back when the Knicks, the Knicks weren't weren't really that good, and he just came out of nowhere sleeping on his uh, what was it cousin's couch or yep. something. It's it, a great story, and then he was just balling his just balling, and it was as it was, it was much watched for that week or two. He made two uh, two Sports Illustrated covers as well in that time. So no, yeah. I completely agree with you. He was he, he was on my list actually. Wow, 
Yeah. That's high praise from Pat. Thank you. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was using him. Benjamin, number two. Uh, Vince Carter. Mm, on my list. Another one of mine. Ouch. It's very obvious. I mean, when you dunk over a seven-footer in the Olympics, I mean, what can you that say? That guy's never recovered. I think that, uh, yeah, again, pure, pure, any given night, do anything. Same thing with Zion. Like Zion just dunk on someone and make it an unreal night. So no, I think that's fair. There you go. All right, so I have back-to-back. Yep. <clears throat> okay. So these two guys, I would rank. I rank one definitely higher than the other, but I'd rank the lesser one. So this would technically be my third round pick. But I'm going to name him first because I like my second my my second mm. round pick more. So I'm going to name him second. So you get a value more. pick. It's in the more. Third I get a value pick. I see pick what you're doing here. Good value. Good if value. It's a keeper league. I might be able to keep. Him I, next I, year. I, I like that you know strategy. I mean? That's where I'm going with that. Okay. So my first guy I'm going to go with is Blake Griffin. Oh, my okay. Because not only did he jump over the Kia, so which pick? everyone's going to know, going to know forever, but he's also jumped over. Seemingly every single human being lob in, city. The, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Lob City's the thing, Lob City, Lob City is so thing much is fun. because Blake Griffin was a rookie in the in the NBA, jumping over Kendrick Perkins and Timothy, Timothy Mozgov and and throwing the ball in the hoop because he was so high in the air. I know injuries have derailed him as of recently, but when he first busted onto the scene, he was as much watched as as you can get. And that dunk contest was kind of, if you could say, the pinnacle for his career in terms of an entertainment standpoint. That was um, that might have been it. Yep. And then my number two pick. This is oh, this is a great value pick. I really like this one. Is Derrick Rose's MVP season? Mm, you just took my next this, two picks. This guy, during his MVP MVP year before he got hurt, he is a quicker, more athletic, can shoot version of Russell Westbrook, who has just averaged a triple double in back to back seasons. No, this guy had was was lightning quick, one of the fastest point guards in the league, and had a literally a 47-inch vertical. The guy was ridiculous. The reason that, so, and the reason that he unfortunately got derailed is that people have, people analyzed um, how he would land when he jumped up so high, and one of the reasons that he got hurt, because he's putting so much force on his body, when he would land, he would not land um, softly. Like, when you think of, when you think of a little landing generally, like, where you want to make basically when you jump, you want your feet to make as least much noise as they can, so you kind of absorb the hit, um, the impact as you land the ground. Mm-hmm. Derrick Rose did not do that. He landed very bow-legged. He, he landed very with his knees very locked in place. And when he, you're jumping up so high in the air and you're putting so much force into the ground, that's unfortunately what can happen if you're not properly trained on how to land when he's that athletic. But Derrick Rose being my uh, my third round pick. I, I, I just I just have to chime in on you first. You picked Jeremy Lin ahead of Derrick Rose. You got lost and you're upset that he was you got lost, lost on the list. Lost, lost in the shuffle. On the shift. That's a phenomenal pick. That was my next pick. Good, va- good value. Good value. Great value. Great value. If we're redrafting next year and and I can keep my third round pick, <laughs> I'm keeping him. You got a keeper league. Moy, you're up. Well, oh, here we go. <sighs> this is going back to a little childhood bias. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I love it. Let's hear it. Let's see. I think I know who it is. Kevin Garnett. Yep. Nah. I love it. I love it. The big ticket. I'm okay I, with that. I loved Garnett. My dad and I would go to, to Celtics games, and every Celtics games they play Welcome to the Jungle right before they got on, and you just see KG up against the the, the 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 bottom of the net, just like getting so amped up, and he comes out, pumps in his chest. And do you remember when they would um, when they would play like the hype video and just KG screaming? It's just, it's I, his face screaming. I, 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 best hype oh video my. of all time. Oh, 
It's Boston bias. But I, oh I, my God. I was also at the game where they played the Heat and he did the knuckle push-ups. I was, oh, you were at that game? I was at that game. Or when he had the one-handed um, put back in the finals against the Lakers where he got fouled. You can't deny he's an entertaining guy. That's a great pick. No, no, I, I think that's a very good pick. <laughs> KG? All right. I'm going to go with, for my third pick, I'm going to go with a modern guy in uh, James Harden. Um, I just think what he's able to do offensively. Right. You're barely talking to him in, in the regular season, correct? Yes, I'm talking regular season. Which because in the playoffs, that stops. You do realize that. <laughs> I'm not a fan of his. I think he's not good, but I think oh, what, what he can do offensively, uh, you watch what he can do. He can put guys on the floor wherever he wants. Um, his handles are ridiculous. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's not, not a strong. That's good case. justification. I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> for my fourth round pick and we're saving for the fourth round because you guys are going to yell at me because it might not follow the rules. Might not? You already told us doesn't follow Yeah, you said that was going to happen. Whoa, whoa, don't look at my screen. (laughs) So, interesting. You're picking before me. I don't care. We need to be surprised. All right, so that means I get three and four here. My third pick will be the original Superman, Shaquille O'Neal. Ooh, good pick. pick. with the Lakers in the early 2000s was on. So think about it. I just uh, riled off of Jimmer Fredette averaging over 29 points a game as a three-point shooter. Shaq in 2000 averaged 30 points a game as a big man. Yes, completely different game, but you still have to think about how dominant he was, especially in those Lakers years, helped bring a title to the Heat. Shaq would still be dominant. This, like Not as dominant, but he would still be pretty dominant in, even now, I feel like. He was just another force. Yeah. It, 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 being able to play inside out through him in today's NBA would have been really interesting to watch, but so yeah, early 2000s Shaq has to be. And then my last pick, kind of a fun pick that I went with, because uh, I just remember watching this guy. Doug McDermott at Creighton was just oh, unreal. Yeah. Man won a national player of the year, so his final year. like watching him with the Bulls? No, he was a little little better in, uh, in, in college. So national player of the year, averaged 27 points a game. His final year in college, as I said, Wooden Award winner, three-time unanimous first-team All-American, <laughs> uh, Big East Player of the Year. Dougie McBuckets had range, and uh, especially I remember watching him in the Big East tournament against Bryce Cotton in Providence for Creighton, and uh, that was so much fun. Yes. All right, my ridiculous pick that is not shouldn't really count, but we're going to count it, is Dunk City. Oh. From 2013. Oh, my God, you picked Florida Gulf Coast? Florida Gulf Coast University. Aren't they, were they a 15 seed? They were a 15 seed. They beat Georgetown. And they went to the Sweet 16, and they beat Georgetown by 10 in the first round. Then of the March Madness tournament, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then San Diego, the 7 seed, they beat by 10. And then they unfortunately lost to Florida by by 6. Um, they made it into the tournament because they won the Atlantic Sun, uh, their conference uh, tournament. But I just remember being, uh, I think that was high school, and just... What they were doing, they were dunking over everybody, Lob City before Lob City, um, and they were just having fun. You could see how much fun they were having out there, and it was yeah. just an electric time to be alive. To be fair, you <laughs> broke the rule, but it talked to a, a team that you, that you wanted to Good watch. Good value. Watch, that, is, that, is, that is March Madness in a nutshell. Yes. It's a 15 seed going to the Sweet 16 that everyone could not take their eyes off of. Yeah, no. To be fair, fair. It I, broke the rules. I'll allow it. Yeah. Benjamin, I don't care four. if you're going okay. to <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, I I have some reserves on my final pick because he was more of a 90s guy. He kind of tailed off in the 2000s. If you say Michael Jordan. No, 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 no. no. Good, because I was thinking about it, but, but you can't but, say it. 
I have, I have a backup pick, if otherwise. Okay. Uh, does Gary Payton count? No, nah, I don't like it. What's your backup pick? <laughs> T-Mac. Tracy McGrady. See, yeah, go T-Mac. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's an overall Tra- Tracy McGrady. Yeah. Yeah. Scored, scored how many points? He scored 13 points or something in, yes. in 33 seconds? Yeah. 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 Wild game. See, just go T-Mac. See, simple. But yeah, no, Gary Easy. Payton was an incredible Easy. player, but just, just with our guidelines, guys, stick with it. Guys, yeah, because um, we're sticking to the rules. You yeah. guys very messed the Conrad taking a team. Let this guy fall into oh. my lap. Kemba Walker no! at oh, UConn. That was my fifth pick. <laughs> was, uh, was as box office as UConn you can Kemba. be as a college right player. I, it started in the Big East tournament when he hit that Whoa. step back on, on pit. We'll never forget. When he hit that step back on pit. And he was ma- switched onto a center, and the center fell over. And he had to step back to be- win that game. They go on and win the Big East tournament. Then they go through the entire March Madness tournament. They win the national championship. This guy had every person in America rooting for him. Incredible pick. Incredible. Yes. He's pick. a five eleven point guard that was doubted in college, was doubted in the pros, and he won the Big East and the national championship, yep. and was just an All Star in the pros. Kemba Walker is a shout out to steal. Old Big East and is a future New York Nick, and yeah. might be a Nick, yeah. but he <laughs> future could be Nick for a max contract. Yeah, could be going home, getting a max contract. Send him home. Get scared send because his family's watching every night. Doesn't play well. Could be the Knicks. Send, That's gonna be what they do. Home. Or he so, could just ball out in the garden every night. Mm. Can we can awesome. we do a Big East tournament? Can we do a? So our all of our picks, all of our our four rosters. Pat will be putting on his Instagram story. I will. And so we're asking everyone Instagram. to go on his Instagram. His Instagram handle is pzang fifteen. Pzang fifteen um, on Instagram. Go follow him. It'll be on his story, and everyone can vote. Probably which, be up tonight. Which team? Um, is the most most must which watch? Ma- yeah, which Mount Rushmore was which, the best? Which Mount Rushmore is the best of most watch of must watch uh, NBA players since the year two thousand? This was a fun one. This was good. Fun. I, I liked this one a lot. So that wraps up our Mount Rushmore. Uh, no, no Can I do a quick uh, honorable like, mention? Yeah. Sure. Can we just, like, old Big East in general? Like, I love the old Big East. Like, like Mellow. I, I have an onboard m- m- mention. But, like, Randy Foy and Kyle Lowry that year, 2006, when they played U- yep. UConn. Villanova's team. My, Electric. I was I was thinking I, I couldn't take him because Kemba was still there, but Anthony Davis when he was on I had Anthony Davis. This guy was billed as the next Kevin Durant, and he's very mm-hmm. much lived up to that. He was he was five blocks a game. It was yep. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. No, I, I had Davis as an honorable mention. Yeah, I, whenever I think of the old Big East, I think of uh, the Syracuse and UConn matchups, especially the seven overtime mm-hmm. game. Carmelo too. Oh, yeah. Mello, Mello taking home a title in 03. So oh, yeah. now so many so many special moments. God, I love the Big East so much. But all right, so that'll wrap up Mount Rushmore. One last honorable mention yes. that I almost threw in late if all my other picks were gone. So this was not, I was not planning on picking this this person. But I deviated from NBA players and I went with Maya Moore when she used to play at UConn. That's fair. Ooh. And now she now she's playing in WNBA. I've legitimately I like watched, that pick. I legitimately watched UConn women's basketball because Maya, watch Maya, Maya Moore, Moore yeah. didn't yep. lose ever. And she I did was the same phenomenal. thing. No, yeah. I, I completely agree. Maya Moore was incredible at UConn. I'm and Brittany Griner, too, is another one that's yeah. out there, too. Yeah, no. But Maya Moore, to a, to a greater extent. Certainly. So no Mount Rushmore next week because there's no show next week. Because oh, it, I know, because we're on spring break. We but, could just uh, sit in a room and, and talk. Ooh. <laughs> we could. Well, actually. you could call on Skype. We could talk. <laughs> just talk for Do you want me to? Emergency oh. podcast next week? Emergency we're, press conference podcast. It's, it's possible. We'll consider it. Also that's considering like two shows a week. So we're thinking. I would love two shows a week. I'm just. I would love it. Keep in mind, but I don't know if everyone has time for that. That's water seasons on 
Yeah, when do you guys find racing season? Two shows a week. Yeah, this this week I do not have time. I don't either. No, it's yeah. Sundays. Can we do Sunday show week. maybe? Uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday, we go on Sunday, Monday. Yeah, we go on Mondays, so oh, it wouldn't work. Wait, oh yeah, it'll be in the works. Check it's check my Instagram. He'll he'll put up all the updates. There. Exactly, always. All right, so get into around the Nova Nation. As I said earlier, a huge weekend for Nova Athletics. As Conrad uh, touched on before, the men and women track to home the Big East title. If you want to listen to more on that, download the podcast. That'll be up tomorrow. So, yes, it will. So, yeah, you can hear more on that. But, again, congratulations, especially to our two-time Big East champion now, Mr. Conrad Bayer. Thank you. Great guys. job. Great Thank job. You. Nova Lacks defeated Hofstra 10-9 to in overtime at their home opener. We were there. So, Wild game. You guys left a little bit early. But yeah, we had to watch the match. Uh, yeah, Villanova defenseman. <laughs> Gave a gave a pass over the middle to to a midfielder on Villanova. One of my good and friends. When was, yeah, one one of Ben Moore's good friends with the defenseman. Not good friends, but he's a, right, he's, he's, a friend. he's an acquaintance. Throwing the midfield. We've gone from good friends to acquaintance yeah. real quick. But he, threw, he threw the midfielder the ball, and a guy Hoster came over and deflated the guy. And if this was Duke in Virginia playing, that's a top yep. ten play on Sports Center. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so Connor Kerr's game winning goal, second straight week with a game winning goal in overtime, and the Cats are up to number ten. So keep climbing. Good awesome luck. start. Yeah. Great to see there. Uh, Nova Track is not the only one to take home a Big East title. Mm-hmm. As Nova Women's Swimming won the Big East title on Long Island this weekend. Their coaching staff also won best in the Big East, which the, I know Villanova men's and women's track did as well. If, if, if your team wins, you get the award. Yeah, I was assuming that's, that's kind of how that yeah. works. But hey. You, you shouldn't have said that. Yeah, you, exactly. You, that's when you leave that part out. Exactly. We, we don't have to talk about that. Nova Women's l- Lacrosse beat Siena 12-7. Men's Good. Tennis 7-2 after beating UConn. And women's basketball won on senior day, 73-68 to over Seton Hall at the Pavilion. And that's around the Nova Nation. Good luck. And then our last update, handball loss in the final. It's a tough game. Off-season starts now. That's right. Off-season for, starts for handball, for handball, that is our intramural handball team, co-ed team that made it to the finals in the intramural tournament. And we unfortunately lost. It was a hard-fought effort. Handily. But, but it's a. But it was we a fun played season. well in the semifinal. <laughs> it was a fun season. It was a fun season, exactly. No, whole whole team played well, guys and girls. We all scored a lot of goals, so it's good. Good time. Yeah. Shannon Foley didn't shoot. Sam Brush finally got in on the action, scoring his last game. I was so finals. proud of Bird. Yep. I was so. It, Came it, it, over after uh, rowing practice. Yep. He played well. Well, it, dedicated student athlete. Hit him with the hezzy, too. Dedicated student athlete. That was the best part, right? Yep. <laughs> so good, good for Bird. All right, so again. That's our show. No show next week as we will be on spring break, but we'll be back the first Monday uh, after as soon as spring break ends. Don't know where I was going with that. Uh, But again, we are on iTunes and Spotify now, so make sure to subscribe. I will be posting a link on Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. So make sure you never miss a show. Thank you to Connor Jules, Shannon Jordy, Rebecca Joanna, Megan Bird, Fiona Stahl, Nick, Marie, Joe, Johnny, Uncle Ken, the Bears, the Woods, the Moise. Hold on, I gotta my shout mom, out my sisters. My dad, Emily, just good Abigail. That's all I need. That's all I need. Shan, you know I love you, and yes, I had to. I had to talk about you not shooting because I'm gonna get you to shoot next year, and you're gonna score next year. I have faith in you, Shan. All right, so again, that is our show. This is Round Tripper. We will be back on two weeks from not tonight. Make sure to vote on the Mount Rushmore. Make sure to download the podcast. Thank you for listening, and go Cats. Hometowns for the bastard tonight. Or-